Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. <laughs> you guys feeling the, lo- the, lo- the loss of an hour over the evening? You guys got that? My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here, and I'm not all here this morning just like you. Do you get some coffee in your system? My thought was, it's really dark in here too. Gray day. Like, listen, if you're gonna sleep, at least like lean over a little bit and like pull your hat down so I can't see your eyes. That'd be great. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out all my best jokes for you today so that you can stay awake. I'll start with one just so you we're on the same page. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Let's go. That's, that's my best joke. It doesn't get better after that. I'll give you one more. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. Let's go. Okay, that's all I got. Um, Hey, I'm really glad you guys are here today. It's an honor having you gathering with us in person and online. Again, my name is Drake. I'm a pastor here. If you're a first-time guest with us, we're so glad that you're joining us and would love for you to take some time to fill out that connection card. Uh, We'd love to get you connected in community. Listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey this morning, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. We're so glad you're here. Our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. And so that means no, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, We just want to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps. So I was having a conversation. We're in the middle of this series. It's on our podcast and our YouTube channel. It's been a really formational process together. You definitely want to go back and and catch last week as this is kind of like a two-part series um, or two-part talk on how to change. I know that everyone in the room, here's what I know about you, everyone in the room wants to change. There's things about you, and we have different things we want to change, but there's things about you you would love to see change. There's things about you you have tried to change. If you're a Jesus follower, there's things that you see in you that are not in line with Jesus, and you want to see those things change. But then when you try to change, maybe you see a little bit of success, but then you also just feel like you're running all over trying to make it happen, and you just keep trying with no progress. Anybody else feel that way? Just me? Cool. I'm the only one. I'm so glad you guys changed so well. For me, the best change I do is a new wardrobe every day. You know what I mean? Like, that's the easiest one I can do. So I was having a conversation with someone uh, from our church last week, and, uh, or someone new to our church, and, and we were just kind of talking about their faith journey, and, and the conversation landed in this space of, hey, I, I'm still a Jesus person. I'm just trying to figure out if I'm still a church person. That, that's kind of where they landed in just some of the struggles of faith, some of the struggles of, of church and Jesus and community and all of those spaces. And so again, the, the kind of the space was, I, I think I'm still a Jesus person. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to be a church person. And I was like, man, I, I so feel that. I understand the tension, the space and challenge of community. And so I just want to just, first of all, say, wow, way to go for being here. Genuinely, when you're plugging into community on Sundays and in city groups and those spaces, it's a big deal and it's a big win just to make it in the room because I think God can do more in a moment than we can do in our own efforts in a lifetime. But today, what we're trying to process is, okay, as you're evaluating the ways of Jesus, here at City Church, we're committed to practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And one of the conversations we have a lot, but it's really important we wrestle with today, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this will be really, really helpful for you as you evaluate 
evaluate the invitation. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is really important because this clarifies where we're going. One of the questions we ask a lot is, what is a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And that word disciple, every time you see it in the scriptures, it's this word in the Greek, mathetes, which literally, I think a better translation for our day and age would be apprentice. You and I don't really have disciples that we, you know, we, if you call someone a disciple, you're way cooler than me. You know, if you have disciples at work and you don't really have those. But an apprentice begins to capture the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. So let me just show you what Jesus is after in Luke 6, and then we're going to dig into today and how we change. So this is in Luke 6. Jesus tells a parable or a story in order to make a point, and he says, can a, can a blind man lead a blind man? What's the answer? No, right? It's, it's meant to be really bottom shelf here. Will they not both fall into a pit? I suppose, if there's a pit around. Hopefully, you know, that's it's very common, apparently, for them. And a disciple, here's Jesus' point, a disciple, an apprentice, a mathetes, a follower, is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And again, Jesus was also called a rabbi, literally, quite literally, a teacher, and so he's not just inviting us to adopt his mental landscapes, he's inviting us to adopt his way of life. And for Jesus, I want you to see the end goal. He says, a, a disciple, an apprentice is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained. You guys see that language? Fully trained. Not when they've gone to church, you know, three out of four Sundays, or they read through the Bible in a year, which that's helpful, we're not down on any of that. But, but what is it? Fully trained, when they've given enough money, when they're fully trained, they will be like his teacher. And so over and over again, we see from Jesus the invitation that his plan, his invitation for you and I is to be like or to become like our rabbi if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's the invitation, not just to believe in Jesus and whatever that means for you in the sense of maybe what happens when you die or something like that. But this is a, a way of life both now and forever with Jesus. And so again, he's inviting us into this space. The goal is to be like him. How many of you guys feel like you're Jesus 2.0 today? Right? Like, not, not even Mother Teresa. Like, I'm not even as good as my wife, right? Like, and she's wonderful. Like, so, I mean, we've got a lot of work to do if, if the standard is being like Jesus. And so the question is, how do we do this? And this is the language we've been in the last couple of weeks. It's spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the language we've been sitting in. And last week, again, was kind of the why behind this conversation. So we addressed some of the motives of why we would lean into what we're doing today. So you can go back and catch that on the podcast. But here's the definition of spiritual formation that we're working with. It is the process in which we are transformed to become more like Jesus and in doing so, our real, true self. That is the invitation of spiritual formation, of how do we become the kind of people that live like Jesus and love like Jesus and respond like Jesus and think like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. How do we become that way? Well, you and I both know it doesn't happen by default. And so what are we leaning into? Last week, I introduced this paradigm, and I want to give it to you again. This is the why, is all you have to do tomorrow in order to be formed is wake up. And so we talked about this unintentional spiritual formation paradigm. So you and I are being formed. Everyone in the room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're a disciple of something or someone. Your Instagram feeds and your social media platforms and your news outlets and the podcasts you listen to and the people that you hang out with and the habits that you live into, they are forming you whether you want them to or not. Yes? You guys with me? Right? You're, we're all being formed. 
The question is, are we being formed on purpose? We're asking the question, who are you becoming? Play the character arc of your life forward 10, 20 years. If you're in middle school or high school, play it forward a year into the space that you're in. If you're in college, play it forward whatever you have left in college. You know, you start to play the character arc of your life forward. Who are you becoming? And odds are the ambition, even of yourself, if you're not a Jesus follower, even some of the ambitions that you have of who you'd like to become, by default, you will not become that kind of person just by kind of casually letting life happen to you, will you? You know it takes intentional formation. And so unintentional spiritual formation, we introduced this last week. Oh, I'm sorry, you can go back to the unintentional space. So, so we are formed by the stories that we believe what we think life is about in reality. We are formed by the habits that we live out, and we are formed by the relationships that we have in our lives, all in the environments that we live in, meaning you and I, Boulder, Colorado, 2023, the phone in your pocket, the people you live life with, these are all formational and forming us in a direction whether we want them to or not. And here's the challenge, is that you and I don't start with a blank slate when it comes to formation. That we are in a current, if you will. You guys ever been like on a paddleboard or in a canoe when the wind and the current's against you? And how much harder that is? That is spiritual formation on a good day. I was reading this book, uh, um, I think a month ago, called Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. And he tells this story of this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was uh, a super smart theologian and pastor in the 1940s in Germany. And in Germany, this is during World War II and all of the Nazi regime stuff going on. And so he starts this crazy cool, like, little theology school and also some communal living stuff in the way of Jesus in Germany during World War II. And he, he didn't grow up a Christian. He became a follower of Jesus later in life. And as he's starting this kind of theology school and this communal living thing with the way of Jesus in the middle of Nazi Germany, his family, they're kind of upper class, and they're like freaking out. They're like, you are losing your mind. Quit it with all this crazy Jesus stuff. Like, it's really, really weird. And so then his brother comes and sees him while he's doing this whole thing. And his brother and him, they get in a boat. They go across this river where, where their little school is. And they go across up on a hill. And he... And they paint this picture beautifully, and I'm, I'm doing my best, okay? And, and they get to the top of the hill, and on the other side of the hill is a Nazi training camp for youth. And he takes his brother up on top of this hill, and he has him look at this Nazi training camp. And they just crossed the river from this school of theology and communal living and the ways of Jesus. And then he has this famous line, Dietrich Bonhoeffer does, and he says, this, meaning the way of Jesus, the practices of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the apprenticing under Jesus, this has to be stronger than that. Amen. There's a current. And you and I aren't living in Nazi Germany during World War II. But for you and I, that's what we're after. Our apprenticeship to Jesus must be stronger than the stories we believe, the habits that we naturally default to, and the relationships that casually influence us in a direction without us giving thought. All in the environment. This must be stronger than that. If 
you want to follow Jesus, if you want to become like your rabbi. Are you guys tracking with me? So, so the invitation is open. It's an invitation. It's no obligation. If you're experimenting with and evaluating the way of Jesus, it's all open invitation. No guilt, no shame, but if the way of Jesus is the access point, like Jesus actually talked about, to the good life, to the actual, I mean, what it means to be fully human and live life to the full, if Jesus was right about that and he has that on offer, then this must be stronger than that. So now we're going to get into our intentional spiritual formation paradigm. So this is how we change. You asked him the question, how do we change? This from the way and the practices of Jesus in the early church is how we change. So let me give you each one here. Now each piece of this formation paradigm, this is kind of like laying a formation on top of your life. This is how we're formed. This is how we change. Each one of these is counter the last paradigm that we introduced last week. So you guys ready to get into it? You tracking with me? Still awake? Got enough coffee in your system? You need another joke? What do, you got, what do you call a cow with one leg? A tri-tip. <laughs> all right. I told you, they just keep getting worse. So, all right, all right, here we go. Just had to reset you. Make sure you're still alive. All right, so counter the stories that we believe is intentional teaching. Jesus was a rabbi, quite literally a teacher. And here's what you know about teaching. The best teaching is not just information. You've slept through enough of those classes and probably enough of those church services, hopefully not here, but other places, where the best teaching is not just information. What is it? It is this teaching that carries a vision that gets into your head of the good life, that, that you and I begin to lean in with a new vision of what could be, of what should be, and our hearts and our minds, they start to lean in. I want that to be true. I would love for that. I, I, I might be willing to try that. Vision for the good life is where teaching really starts to capture our hearts. And Jesus is a master teacher. And so what happens is when we press into the ways of Jesus and, and then so many that we get to learn from in the process, we find an alternative story that we get to live into that leads to change. And we talked about all kinds of different examples last week of the different ways of the stories that our culture is telling and then the reality that Jesus says of what it means to be human. And this is everything from relationships and money and habits. I mean, you name it. It applies to every category of life. The stories we believe inform how we live. And so intentional teaching counters that and begins to give us the reality. And so what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have a relationship with God? And these spaces begin to address the lies that we believe and aligns us with the reality of God. And again, as Jesus is not just a good teacher, but he's actually God, then he has this access point into reality that we lean into Jesus and his teachings. And if, he's, if, if, if he is who he said he was and, and what he's saying is true, then that can counter some of the lies that we're believing. So, this is one environment of teaching. Right now, you're sitting, hopefully today, you get a vision for the good life. Hopefully today, you get something that makes you lean in a little bit and makes you want to press into the ways of Jesus. But when we gather, it's not just about teaching, right? We gather to worship. We gather to elevate God in our lives, both externally. We choose song and we choose prayer together and individually in order to move our hearts toward God, to love him, Jesus said, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so one of the ways of teaching is what? Getting after the mind. We're going to love God with our mind. But here's what you know is that really good teaching goes from your head to your heart to your hands. And so it's a really helpful, but it doesn't stop here, right? How else do we counter the stories that we believe? And listen, it's really important that you don't, don't just believe something because I say it 
or because someone else says it, that you and I are doing the hard work of processing why we believe what we believe as we press into the life that is truly life. And so this is also the podcast that you listen to or scripture that you're reading, which is absolutely, you wanna sit under Jesus in the scriptures. This is the 1,500 books I've recommended this series alone, right? I told you, like the average American male reads less than one book a year, and so if you can just read one of them, you're crushing it. Way to go, right? And so, right, it's, it's the practices of meditation, right, which is taking something that you know, a truth that you have uh, allowed to get into your mind and then letting it ruminate on your heart and mind to where it gets into you. This is what, what uh, we're beginning to call in our culture neuroplasticity, that actually what we know becomes a reality of how we live. So this is what Paul called the renewal of the mind. Let me show you in Romans 12, just so you, we're on the same page here. He, he's... Um, encouraging these believers to live out the ways of Jesus. And he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. So for Paul, the way of Jesus is is whole life experience. It's not just intellectual ascent, but whole life living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, all of you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the currents, right? This must be stronger than that. You guys hear that? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by going to church. Be transformed by a podcast a week. Maybe, maybe a little bit, but be transformed by the renewing. This is a continual effort. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, this whole series, Identity and Calling, has been about who is God, who am I, who am I in relationship to God in the world, and what am I uniquely made for living out my true self. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Eugene Peterson paraphrases it beautifully, so I want to give you that on the screen here too. Check this out. He goes on, Romans 12 from Eugene. He says, so here's what I want you to do. This is his paraphrase of what we just read. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, that's key, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. You guys do that? Got some of those things? You're like, I'm crushing that. <laughs> that, if that's the definition. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even what? thinking. He goes on. Instead, fix your, what? Attention. You guys see the emphasis here? On God. What's going to happen? You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Right? In our city groups, we're really pressing into this culture of not just information saturation, but obedience of following the way of Jesus, of doing the stuff, of hearing and obeying. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So this is the invitation, that through teaching, we are learning the way of Jesus that combats the lies that we so easily and quickly swallow. There are some things that you and I think are just reality, just truth, just the way they are because we are isolated in a bubble of what we grew up in, especially in the West. And we're meant to allow the teachings of Jesus and other people who love him to counter the potential lies around us. Now, here's what you know and I know is that right, right ideas in our head, they're not enough, right? Like just, just good information doesn't lead to complete transformation, does it? 
Well, you know that because if that was the case, then you could just watch like one workout video and have a six pack, right? Like, you know, information alone doesn't lead to transformation because you can't think your way to formation, can you? You can't. You cannot think your way into a completely holistic formational change. That's why the way of Jesus is a way of life. And so if you're just a computer and all you have to do is download information, that'd be super convenient. It's like, you know, the matrix all over again, right? If all you need to have a healthy marriage is to read a book, one marriage book, bam, and it's done. I am compl- I'm the best husband on the planet. You're welcome, Danielle. And it's done. Like, I don't ever have to do it. I don't have to try, right? And, and if I want to learn how to be a chopper pilot, I just got to download that. And if I want to learn how to be a good parent, just download that and done. It's, it's good. Everything's going to work out. And one simple download, and I am formed. But you and I both know that information alone does not lead to formation. So here's the challenge. It's one thing to know what is right. And by the way, the process of beginning to trust Jesus and even convinced that his way is right, I mean, that's part of the challenge, right? Is am I willing to trust Jesus and his way? And that's what we're wrestling with. But it's one thing to know what's right. It's another thing to do what's right, yeah? And it's a whole other thing to want to do what's right, you guys feel that? So, so it's one thing to be transformed, like, okay, I got my hands to do what I want them to do. That's great. But what about changing that deep stuff? So the second part of our paradigm is counter our habits is intentional practice. Can you guys say that? Practice. 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 So Jesus has this really famous, uh, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. You guys heard of that? By the way, those Bibles and the seatbacks in front of you, those are our gift to you. Take them home and, and just start digging in. It's, it's, by, it's awesome. It's awesome. But if you want to read this week, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this is kind of Matthew's account of some of Jesus' like highest and best like kind of all-together teachings, and it's famously known as his Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has this like impossibly high bar that he sets for humanity. And so what he's taking is what people think it means— to be in alignment with, with, with his way. And he says, you've heard it said, and then he gives it like a higher standard. You've heard it said, and he gives a higher standard. And so in that space is where Jesus gives the command, do not worry. Check. Oh, thanks, Jesus. I needed that. Like, I didn't realize that that was, and so now that I know that, I won't do that anymore. Is that how that works? Right? How, and so, so you have this command, do not worry. Or Jesus says anyone who looks at a, 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 uh, another person with lust in their heart commits adultery with them. They're like, um, hold on, Jesus. And he starts to have all these high bars in your life. Man, this is impossible to live this way. Here, here's the cool thing about the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to read it on your own time, is that Jesus assumes our brokenness in this conversation. He assumes that we struggle in these different areas. And so then he's addressing them. And he, and he, he assumes we also are kind of acknowledging that these, these ways of living, they're harmful to us, they're harmful to others, and if they're out of alignment with God and they're hurting others, then that's also hurting God, right? So he's hurting God's heart. And, and so he has this space of assuming and meeting us in it, and so then he begins and ends all of his teaching. Go check it out this week. He begins his teaching, and he ends his teaching with the idea of practice. At the very beginning, before he starts teaching, he says, whoever practices and teaches these things is going to be blessed or have God's favor. He ends it with whoever hears my words and puts them into what? Practice. You ever heard that? It's really interesting that a lot of the Western approach to spirituality is information saturation with very little practice. It's almost like we're allergic to it. And so Jesus assumes 
practice. So when he commands, do not worry, it's not cool, done. I, I heard that information that's really helpful, Jesus. I won't do that anymore. Richard Foster says it this way. He says that most people, when they think about change, they're focused on trying instead of training. And so what do you do? You and I read something good or you hear something inspirational on Sunday or whatever and you're like, cool, yeah, I really want to get better at not having an anxious life. I really want to get better at not worrying. And then what do you do? You go out and you try really hard that week not to worry. Um, Maddie is one of our staff members in the room and she's training for the boulderthon. Anybody else training for the boulderthon? Me either. Great. I'm glad we're all on the same page. And so, so she's getting ready to, to do this boulder-thon, which is a 26.2-mile marathon. And here's the reality is uh, most of us in the room are not the kind of people that go out and run marathons. Now, if you are, props to you because we live in Boulder and that's a high concentration of people. But most of us are not the kind of people that go out and run a 26.2-mile marathon and live to tell the tale. And so if, if you and I, let's just say, you know, you got inspired today to run a marathon and you woke up on Monday morning and you're just going to do it, what happens? Just tomorrow, you just go try really hard to run a marathon. You die. Like, that's pretty much, we, we have your funeral next week. That's what happens. You die, and we're all really sad. And, and then I won't ever preach about it in that way again. Like, man, I can never, ever give that example because people die every time we give this example. So you become the kind of person that wants to run a marathon. Well, maybe in a day, if you try really hard, no matter how hard you try, you probably can't run 26.2 miles. But could you become the kind of person that runs a marathon? You're like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> okay, just track with me. Maddie is becoming the kind of person that is, is able to run a Maddie, there you are. What, what, what's like your longest stretch right now? I'm just putting you on the spot. Training-wise. Yeah. Five miles. Okay, so Maddie's been training. Hey, that's great. That's more than me. If I'm, ch- if I'm getting chased by a bear, I'm going to make it to like mile two. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's just, let's just, you, let's bear snack. Let's go. Um, so, so Maddie is up to mile five, and she just started training for this thing. So, so she is beginning to increase the increments. So she's not the kind of, she might be, I don't know. Sorry if I'm just speaking out of, you know, the side here. Um, Maddie is probably not the person that can run 26.2 miles tomorrow, but she is training weekly to become the kind of person that can run 26.2 miles. Are you guys tracking with me? So in the same way, you might not be the person that's, that, that is free of anxiety and worry today, but you can become the kind of person through practice, through intentional spiritual discipline. So it's not trying really hard, but it's not opposed to training. And I think this is where the gap comes in for most of our spirituality. This is how we change. Along with Jesus, partnering with God, we train to become the kind of people who have a non-anxious life, who are patient, and kind, and full of love, and discipline in whatever areas. And again, you can, you can pick any category. And so don't worry, let's just use that one. I'm going to go out and try really hard not to worry. You and I both know that that doesn't work, because the second something stressful happens, you're just back in it. But these practices, these spiritual disciplines that we talk about a lot, if you and I want to live the way of Jesus, we have to move into practice. And so your options, let's just take anxiety for a second. Tomorrow's Monday, You have two options to not be anxious in the way of Jesus. You can try really hard and see how that goes, or you can adopt the template of Jesus on your life, his practices, his way of life, and see if that begins to shape you into becoming the kind of person that lives a non-anxious life. I was at the gym this week, and I ran into a buddy. His name is Carlos, and Carlos is as big as a house, Um, and, and 
Um, every time I see him, I compliment, you know, all the, the giant muscles that are poking out everywhere. And, and so we're having a conversation and, and uh, um, just get to catch up a little bit. And then I, it's arm day for me, right? And so, I, you know, I'm so swole this week. I wore a jacket so I didn't intimidate you. But I'm, it's arm day and I'm over there it's, and we're doing tricep skull crushers. And, and, and Carlos is over here doing his thing. Um, you know, I'm lifting probably more than him, you know, I mean, it's not a competition, but you know, and so Carlos is over there doing that, and I'm doing school, and Carlos walks over to me, and he really kind of waddles, I mean, he's, he's like this, <laughs> you know, and he comes over, and he says, hey, um, do you mind if I show you how to do that better, and I'm like, yeah, man, I would love to, right, and I can't argue with him, he, he's clearly, he knows more than me, and so sure enough, right, I have to take this huge humble pill, let Carlos, he gets down with the weight I was using, right? He gets there and he's, she's, he shows me. He's like, hey, you, you're not doing it wrong. Like, you just do it better. And he shows me a little more control here. And, and, he does, and then he watches me. And so he gets off and I, you try. And he watches me. And I'm like, all right, cool, here we go. And so over the course, now I'm dying. My arms are on fire. And I'm like, thanks a lot, Carlos. And so he shows me. And, and I'm thinking the way of Jesus is kind of like Jesus showing up and says, hey, can I show you how to do this better? Like, would you and I lean in to Jesus' way in relationships? Can I show you how to do that better? Jesus' way in money. Can I show you how to do that better? Jesus' way in anxiety and stress. Can I show you how to do that better? And sometimes we are getting it wrong. And at some point, my analogies break down. (laughs) But you get the point of the invitation. And honestly, I think to adopt the practices where we are in this space is it takes some humility to say, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, there is something to learn here. Maybe there's a better way to do it in the way of Jesus. And so if, if you want to transform your anxiety in the way of Jesus, then what does Jesus do? Well, there's practices from the way of Jesus that could actually transform. So we, we all these practices, these spiritual disciplines. So reading the scriptures and prayer and all this cool stuff. So imagine the Sabbath. This 12 to 24 hour block of time where you stop working, you rest, you, you stop wanting, you stop buying, you stop selling, you just rest and delight for 12 to 24 hours. You turn off your phone and you put it away and you center in the goodness of life and God. Could that practice help you become an unanxious person? Yeah. Right? Or, or uh, um, silence and solitude is one of the things we see Jesus do over and over again. This pulling away, silencing to be alone with himself and with God. 89% of people check their phone, uh, I read the stat this week, before they even get out of bed in the morning. So we talked about our practices last week. So what if instead of the first thing you do is just diving into the world around you, what if you started your day in the company of Jesus? What Jesus called abiding. Well, even if it's just for two minutes, could that help you become a non-anxious person? And you might be in here and you're like, man, Drake, I've tried that and it didn't work. Well, odds are, if you're like most people with a New Year's resolution, you go to the gym in January and you're like, I tried it and it didn't work. I went one day and it sucked and nothing changed. I still don't have a six pack, right? And, it, and it's funny because we, we know not to apply that logic. We might, have, we, might, we might be lazy when it comes to that. We're like, well, that's not worth it. That's, who wants that kind of life? Who needs a six pack? Um, but the reality is if you and I want to see change, what does it take? consistency over time. It's a practice. It's a way of life. And so Jesus, you don't just practice Sabbath one time 
and your life is anxiety-free. You don't just get into the scriptures one day and, and God speaks to you in such a profound way that your life is now full of mission and purpose. You don't just pray one time and God answers all your prayers and everything in life is solved. These are practices that over time are doing something to us. So what could happen if you trained in the way of Jesus? Again, this is not trying. This is not earning God's favor. This is not reading the Bible because you want to make sure he's not mad at you. This is not going to church so that, you know, hopefully you're getting some gold stars. This is a vision for the good life that now, because I want it, I'm going to lean into the ways, the practices of Jesus. Let me show you in Luke 6, just, just so you can track with me. And again, this is a huge, huge conversation. We did an entire series on this um, back last year in the spring called Followers, where you can catch a lot of the details here. But in Luke 6, let me just show you Jesus' template for life. In these days, this, we see this all the time throughout the life of Jesus, but here it is captured in one, one chunk. He went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. And then he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people. We see this rhythm in Jesus' life over and over again. Time alone, silence and solitude with his father. Time alone with God. Time in community with his disciples. And then time in the world around him with people who are not in the family of God yet over and over again. Read the book of John for yourself. There's one in the lobby for you, a little scripture journal. Read it for yourself and watch the life of Jesus. His template for life is time alone daily with God, time intentionally in community, and then time intentionally living on mission in the world around him. Over and over again. These are the practices. And again, the spiritual disciplines, it's, 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 it's fasting and it is scripture reading and it's simplicity and it's all these different things that we do, but these are access points into the reality of God. Now the last thing, and I gave you that Luke 6 just so you could see Jesus in community, is community. So counter our relationships is community and that might sound like the same thing, so let me give you a definition. The last thing here before we get into the environment is community, and that is relationships are self-selected by preferences that you have, but community is something that you choose to enter into. And so this is your city groups. This is, you know, if you're married, it's your spouse or your roommates. And this is gathering on the weekends. These are intentional spaces where we put ourselves around people that maybe some are self-selected, but others are just intentional. And so all of our city groups are made, made up of all kinds of different people, and sometimes one or two people end up in there because they know each other, but it's intentionally showing up in community, allowing that space to be a catalyst of transformation. So community is the context that we live all this out. One of the most helpful things for my gym routine every day of the week is that one of my friends shows up there with me. And so I've got, I have this accountability aspect that helps me show up with him. And the same idea, if we're going to press into teaching, if we're going to press into practice, you and I both know on our own, we cannot do it. And so in community, I just want to give you the two, two quick benefits. In community, we experience two very important things. We see this mostly in our city groups. We see this on weekends. We see it in a lot of different ways. But two things happen when you and I engage in community. Number one, exposure. And number two, encouragement. And you need both. Exposure is that people get to see the best of you and the worst of you, right? Uh, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and when new couples get married, I try to warn them ahead of time, like, hey, people don't have marriage problems. They have problems that they bring into their marriage. 
and they just get magnified like times a thousand. Like you, you, you don't know how bad you are until you get there and you have a magnifying glass living in your home. And they love you enough to expose all of the ugly stuff that was already inside of you, by the way. It's not their fault. You can just see it. And in community, we are exposed in a helpful way. Some of the ugly stuff inside of us finds a safe outlet to be exposed and transformed. Because we talked about it a couple weeks ago, we are so good at self-deception that you and I sometimes can just overlook the areas that need transformation. But in addition, because we do this in love, you find encouragement, which is what we all need. So not just the space of here's how you need to be better, but somebody to walk alongside. In community, we find the space to share the burdens of life with, to share the loads of all of this heaviness. And listen, this is hard. No matter how much you train, no matter how much you press into community, no matter how much you learn, 26.2 miles is never easy, is it? Never in the history of ever is, is a marathon an easy feat. This doesn't get easier in the sense of formation, but you can become the kind of person that begins to look like Jesus. And so some of you are in a season where life is really hard and you've got small children and it's taxing. Maybe you're an introvert and so just community just wigs you out anyway. And so you're just really, really struggling with that concept. But, but you need to remember that Jesus didn't have a disciple. He had disciples. And there is no life with Jesus apart from community. So I'm going to invite Daniel to come. And as Daniel comes, I'm going to give you this last piece of the paradigm. The last part of this is, is the environment of the Holy Spirit. So counter our environment around us is the Holy Spirit. And we did a whole series on the Holy Spirit, 13 weeks, I think, in the fall of last year that you can go back and pick up to understand the role the Holy Spirit plays. But spiritual fo- formation is a joint partnership between you and God. So our responsibility is teaching and practice in community. You and I can choose to lay this paradigm over our lives and grow in the way of Jesus. God's responsibility is to do the rest. And the good news is that God does all the heavy lifting. So some of you are so frustrated by the formation practices. Some of you are so frustrated by the lack of change and the effort you've been putting in. But the beautiful invitation is you and I can control teaching and practicing community. And from there, God does the heavy lifting. St. Augustine said it this way. He said, without God, we can't. And without us, he won't. This is an invitation and it takes intention. And all of this, friends, takes time. Just like the gym routine, just like any other habit in your life, there is no shortcut to character. You can't microwave it. You can't become the people of Jesus overnight that we want to be. And we're constantly, I think, just in the West, we're asking that question, is it working? Is it working? Is it working? And I would just encourage you to trust the process even when you can't see the results. And so if you're frustrated and you're irritated about how long change is taking, I just want you, just invite you, welcome to the club. Us too, me too, all of us here. And here's what's challenging is the more that you grow in Jesus, the more you mature in the ways of Jesus, it only gets harder because Jesus starts to deal with the deeper stuff, which takes more work. And you're like, man, Danielle and I were sitting in the, in the living room last night having long conversations when we should be in bed, you know, like that, that, that space, which is so smart. And we're having conversations around how we experience one another, how we can love and serve one another, and repenting and saying, I'm sorry, where we mess up, and mainly me, you know, so <laughs> it works. And one of the things she said again is just, just so 
present in my mind. She says, I have a hard time remembering that you're not who you used to be. Like, like sometimes when you say something or you act a certain or you do something, I assume a motive in you that used to be there that's no longer there. And so, so Danielle has a front seat to watching the formation of my life where I get it right and where I fail miserably. And there's some things that I failed miserably, miserably at for so long that now that we're starting to see change, she's still like squinty-eyed at it. You know what I'm saying? She's like, mm. And I'm like, man, like how long is it going to take for this to really be deep-seated? And, and it's helpful. It's encouraging. And you need people around you to say, hey, I see who you're becoming. You need people around you who can speak into your life and say, hey, that's not who you are. You need the scriptures to form your mind because, because you and I so easily believe lies without thinking about it. This takes a lot of time, friends. And listen, it does take lifetime, like period of time, but it also is just time in, that there's this reciprocal relationship of what we put in, we get out of this thing. And so in some ways, you can grow in a lot of ways really fast in the ways of Jesus just by putting in the time. You'd be blown away by if you could just adopt the simple practice of scripture reading and prayer daily, even if it's 15 minutes, what that formation will do to your life. But if you stretch that out and you read the scriptures once a week for a year, you're not going to see the same results. The same is true for all the other disciplines. But here's the deal. We did this practice last week in our city groups where everyone pulled out their phones and like looked at how their information's being used, like, like, like did the habit track, like, hey, how, how much are you on Instagram? How much are you text messaging? How much are you? And my stats were depressing. And so this week, I'm, I'm like trying to do this habit swap thing. I'm like, all right, hey, what am I, where am I using my time and how can I reappropriate it? The average American watches five hours of TV a day and the average millennial is on their phone five hours a day. And so some of us are like, man, I'm just too busy to follow Jesus. And the reality is maybe it's just a priority issue. Not that it's not hard, but imagine what else you could do with the time that you have. So as we press in this week, I just want to invite you. Man, listen, if you're not there yet, if you're like, man, this is a lot, listen, you just, you're invited. This is a safe place. You're invited to evaluate true life. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that guy that, that had the, the cool formation camp, this must be stronger than that. He had this famous line. He said, he wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship. This is really famous. But in that book, he says that we need to not only weigh the cost of following Jesus, we also need to weigh the cost of not following Jesus. Friends, listen, it costs you to gather on a Sunday morning. It costs you to go to a city group and give up an evening. It costs you to invest in the relationships around you, people far from God. It costs you in those spaces. But what does it cost you when you don't? And so some of you, listen, you're in a hard season. And I just want to encourage you as you're trying to figure out where God is and all of that, to open up that hard stuff to Jesus. That even in the hard stuff, he's there, he's present, and he can work some formation. And so what's your next step today? That's all I'm going just, just a very simple invitation. A couple of things for you this week for our next steps. So number one is this. From your habit audit, I just want to encourage you to try a habit swap. If you didn't do this last week, then you can do it this week. This is just taking kind of a snapshot of your day. What are the things that make up my day? What do I do? Looking at your screen time or whatever's helpful for you. Identify the habits that you make up your normal routine of a day. 
And there's probably some stuff in there that you're like, wow, I wish I would not use that much time. So one of the things for me this week is I was waking up every morning and checking my phone. So I got an analog clock (laughs) and I stuck it in my room and my phone and my watch are plugged, plugged in downstairs and every day this week, I have woken up to little birds chirping in my room and I grabbed my Bible and my journal and a cup of coffee and I sat in listening prayer and I didn't touch my phone until after I had sat with Jesus and it has changed my week. So just a habit swap, what is it for you? So take one existing habit, replace it with a practice or a spiritual discipline from the way of Jesus. Maybe it's scripture reading, maybe it's silent prayer, listening prayer, maybe it's silence and solitude. And then uh, if if you're, you know, super into it, then an extended practice would be to swap two habits. Here's, I think, the default. Sometimes we, like, approach it softly. We're like, yeah, I'm going to try that one little thing. But maybe this week you would try one spiritual discipline that's exciting to you. And so maybe, like, a real Sabbath, like, for real 24 hours of, like, disconnecting and running through the mountains with Jesus and some friends is awesome, or brunch and, you know, mimosas or whatever your thing is, however you Sabbath, right? Like, maybe it's, like, really unplugged. That'd be really life-giving to you. Or maybe an introvert, like silence and solitude is your thing, right? Like go rent an Airbnb and just like disappear from the planet for a day. And then one spiritual discipline that's challenging to you. Find two habits to swap this week. I'm going to give up Instagram and I'm going to press into scripture reading 15 minutes a day. And I'm going to journal and I'm going to pray or whatever it is, okay? All of these resources are on our website for you on our, on our spiritual resources page. The idea is this, who are you becoming? The invitation from Jesus is to become like him. So, let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads and close your eyes, this is just a moment of reflection, a moment of response to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in our lives. Maybe your next step today is not a habit swap. Maybe your next step today is trusting in Jesus. Maybe there's never been a point in time where where you've made a decision to trust in Jesus that he is who he said he is, that he can do in your life what he said he would do. He not only saves us and makes us new, but he gives us new life and the power to walk into it. He makes us right with God and begins to change us from the inside out. And maybe today you'd make that decision for the first time. Maybe your next step is very simply baptism. It's celebrating publicly what Jesus has done already internally in your life. That in practicing the way of Jesus, you you start by acknowledging it's a way and celebrating publicly. Maybe your next step is is getting into community. Maybe the idea of a city group is challenging for you. Maybe your schedule is just nuts and maybe work is just killing you and all these different things, but maybe you know that you need community and that's your next step. And so you fill out that card or you sign up online. And maybe it is a habit swap. Maybe it's the simple process of the scriptures or a podcast or prayer. Whatever it is, I just want to invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to meet with us in the rest of our time. We're so grateful that you're here. We're here to worship you, to elevate our hearts and our minds in an affection toward you. We all want to change, but God, I pray that there would be a vision for the good life in us, that not just what we want, but what you want for us. Will we understand your love, that this is not about trying to be like you, but because you died for us, 
in our place for our sins because you were buried and rose again. You give us access into new life and a way to live it out. And so Holy Spirit, whatever our next step might be this morning, would you give us the boldness to respond? It's in Jesus' name, amen.